0: You are listening to the Fantasy Joes podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood.
1: That's right, we are the Fantasy Joes, all three of us here together tonight. First of all, from the Pillow Palace in Minneapolis, Minnesota, it is Will the Thrill
2: Greenwood. No, no longer the most northern compatriot of the fantasy Joe's, and it kind of saddens me. Uh, it, it, uh yeah, know. Well, maybe I should just move further south. Some nice warmth, like there, like the Caribbean, or you know, a nice like like Saint Lucia or whatever. Anyway,
1: well, right now you're the meat meat in the Joe sandwich. Like you're right in the middle, so it's not not a bad place to be.
2: Hey, I'm the, I'm in the meat <laughs> the meat in every sandwich, every parting. <laughs> and joining us <laughs> from the Great White North, um.
1: It is Jake Patterson at Takes with Jake. What's going, going on, Jake?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Oh, know.
1: Jake, we are have to work on that. We're gonna to work <laughs> on
0: know. that. Well, I, I need the, the, some more excitement at the, the beginning. Thrill. I need something in between Jake to really hype me up.
2: Oh, uh, right. I mean, the like guy who's gonna be the
0: snake. Go. Uh,
1: well, to work, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. uh Well, we'll get a little hype going. Jake
2: the, Jake, the emergency break.
1: I, I, f- I forgot to introduce myself. I'm everyone's favorite librarian at librarian, Ryan Livergood. Someone asked me the other day, John McGlynn, who listens to the show, "Are you really a librarian?" And I said, "Yes, sir, I am. I got the MLS and everything." Um, anyway, not that that necessarily helps me with uh, fantasy football or dynasty football, but you know, <laughs> sometimes.
2: Okay, guys, R- l- uh, let's Ryan, lead- Ryan actually just showed up at his house and started throwing books at John. To this <laughs> point. <laughs> um,
1: Okay. Let's, let's talk about uh, some speculation. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of fun news coming out. You know, there's the schedule release, which we maybe will touch on a little bit of that. Um, And there's, there's more rumors and it's not just about Aaron Rodgers. There's another big quarterback name guys that might be on the move. Once his legal troubles go away, that they might magically go away because our legal process has some issues in this country. But anyway, it's Deshaun Watson. So, what are you guys hearing? What do sources tell you, Will Green? What about Deshaun Watson?
2: Well, this is the, the current speculation, and I think this is pretty – you can kind of start to read tea leaves throughout all that's happened. Uh, I think the Eagles could potentially be still a suitor, but I think the Panthers might be the number one suitor. And there's a few reasons. One, uh, Miami traded that future first to move up to get Jalen Waddell, which is huge because if you're going to go get Deshaun Watson, and if they know, like, if they know something we don't, which often NFL teams do – uh that they would be preparing for that. So either they know they think that Deshaun Watson is gonna be found guilty, or they're just kind of out of the running here. Or like like he's gonna face a longer ban. Uh the, the Panthers have a new order, like like Tepper isn't waiting for this team. They didn't draft a quarterback. They they currently have a horrible quarterback that they all think they can maybe rejuvenate a little bit, but no way is that the future plan. Uh and so I really do think, I really do think uh that there is, I don't know, a less than or uh, a greater than like 30% chance the Panthers will, will have Deshaun Watson within the next three months.
0: That's hoping that this is all settled in three months. Of course.
2: That's why, it's why third, that's, that's why it's 30% chance. Yeah.
0: No, I, I completely agree. I think the teams, some teams left themselves open at the QB position still. There's obviously still a need there. If Deshaun Watson's stuff is stuff, if his situation gets settled, There's going to be teams knocking on the door, absolutely. I don't know what how fan bases will react to it, but and he'll probably still get a decent return for like future draft pick wise or assets or whatever Houston's asking for.
1: Honestly, fan bases, I'll tell you how they're going to react. They'll call Mm -hmm. maybe when maybe when the trade happens, they'll call their radio shows, sports radio, and they'll complain, like, where are we bringing this guy to town? But you know,
0: (laughs) it'll be that will
1: that will go away i mean that'll go away people won't care they're going to remember how good he is as soon as he plays and he leads them to a victory fans just they'll they'll love him. they won't they won't care they'll forget all about that stuff and and honestly what what the the narrative will be is because because what will probably the most likely path for sean watson to get out of the trouble he's in is to um you know settle with with his accusers and um and and then uh, then the the narrative will be well he never was convicted of anything there's no proof never was was ben, ben
0: Roethlisberger. yeah it's like it's so, like
1: peyton
2: manning college all over again yeah so um so,
0: so well if uh you're if you're starting to believe this narrative are you moving up carolina pass catchers are you buying a Terrence Terrence marshall more Because obviously Broncos' pass catchers are getting a bit of a boost right now with the Aaron Rodgers speculation.
2: No, I wouldn't do that with any of them. I'm not not willing to actually gamble with my fantasy assets. Fair. But
1: but maybe it's more of a a deal breaker if you need one, Jake, right? If you're trying to decide between taking Marshall versus another – you know, player that goes in that range, maybe in the back of your head, you'll think, hmm, you know, Marshall might get an upgraded quarterback. So I, I think that for me, that might influence me a little bit in certain situations.
0: I think regardless if it's not a loss in its case, that uh, there's a good chance that it, there might be an improvement at quarterback position coming soon. I'd like, I would take the gamble that uh, Sam Donald isn't it. Maybe he could be the stopgap for a year or two while they figure it out. But situations change, right? So there's obviously hope that there's going to be a huge boost in, uh, whether it's Deshaun, Deshaun Watson or if it's someone else in the 22 draft, who knows? And, yeah. and, te- and we
1: know the one that we know is that teams that, that are motivated to get a quarterback that need one, you know, they, they will find a way to do it. And I, with, with the situation in Carolina, I think Tep, you're right with the owner there, he is motivated to get a franchise quarterback. Um, I I think Denver's got to be motivated to get a franchise quarterback, you know, with, um, you know the the troubles that John always had identifying someone since you know Peyton Manning they acquired him and and then he retired. So yeah, I mean th- these teams are gonna go out and get a quarterback at some point, I and mean, they almost have to, right?
2: Yeah, so. and they're also the two teams that pass on on Justin Fields, which it just to me it's just like it screams there's something we don't know about yet.
0: Or Rodgers are choosing to wait the Watson situation now.
2: Yeah, or they're just they're, they just did did a horrible job. And they their fan base should be mad. And that's possible too. <laughs>
1: uh maybe we'll know the story someday.
0: Even if these guys are gonna be available next offseason, it's just uh, it's okay for all these teams that just have a stopgap. It makes it more sense if they're just willing to wait till more of these dominoes drop.
1: Yeah. Patience pays off. It it, it does a lot of times for these NFL teams. So well, guys, do we want to keep talking about uh, quarterbacks potentially moving into interesting landing spots, or should we get to our tweet of the week? Because we've got a
2: really good one. I mean, besides the one quarterback, QB1, that just got signed in Jacksonville. The, 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 one, the one quarterback well, just got signed? Yeah, he, yeah he, switched to, he switched to tight end, but, you know, he used to be. Oh, QB1 that in guy. College. Yeah, Are you
0: that You of Blake Bortles with the Packers? Oh, classic Bortles. Because he he was the only QB one signing recently,
2: so the, so the number one QB in college history potentially signing with the Jaguars, can you figure this out, Jake?
0: Uh, uh, Tim it, Tebow, we can't wait that long.
2: <laughs>
0: well, he yeah. didn't sign with the with the Jaguars, yeah.
1: Well, I I don't like t- talking about the Bortles to Green Bay. I I just quickly I, I don't think that that. Really means anything with this Aaron Rodgers saga. I think they, they needed the depth
0: there. So you disagree, Jake? Well, I mean, they might have needed depth because of the Aaron Rodgers saga.
2: I well, don't know. know. Bortles they, was in Kansas City last year, wasn't he? Uh, was, or no, in, the Rams? The Rams. Yeah. yeah. Rams,
0: last place I remember.
1: So, well, well, we'll see. He might be out there on your waiver wires, people. So he's, you, know.
0: he's, you don't want Blake Bortles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably better use of, of roster spots. L- oh, he was, he was QB5 like five years ago. Let's go. Let's go. Get in the time machine, get in the TARDIS, and go back in time and grab that yeah. light in that situation. Okay. It's like Allen Robinson, Alan Hurts. Here we go. <laughs> Let, let's get the tweet of the week. It is at Kevin O'Brien FF. Um, so this is really fascinating because th- this is a deep dive into – Greg Roman is offensive coordinator. We know that Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. And basically, what this tweet does is, is he goes in and basically shows the pass attempts per team where uh, teams he was offensive coordinator in their rank. So basically, without reading all these numbers, this is between 2011 and 2020. The highest rank of of pass attempts on his offense is is 29. And oftentimes, guys, it's thirty-two. So basically, when he's offensive coordinator of a team, they're not going to throw the ball. And he proceeds to say, "This is a Bateman tweet." So, um, and, and, he, and he follows up by, "Let's say all of a sudden, Roman drafts Bateman and says, hey, this guy's so special, we'll throw it five hundred times in twenty twenty-one, which would be a fi- which would be his career high.'" He breaks it down, even with twenty-five uh, percent mark and share. Um, it's it's not 100 receptions. So, anyway, with all that, guys, y- y- and and people are starting really smart. Guys like Kevin, like JJ Zacharyson, are kind of pounding this point home that that offense is such an offense that he's not going to go a lot of volume. We'd have to see extreme efficiency for him to really produce. But we we all like Bateman a lot, right? We like the talent. Um, uh, don't necessarily like the landing spot. So. Please convince me that I shouldn't be scared to death to draft Bateman. And, and maybe he's a safe pick, but
2: I, tell me he's got some upside, guys. Uh, I mean, I haven't done any research into this, so. <laughs> 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 all right. All right. All right. Here we go. So, one, uh, you, we, can't, we, we can't use the throwing times barrier to, to dive deep into how this affects wide receiver and i i've done this i looked at wide receivers uh like the top 24 wide receivers and separated it between top 12 and top 24 i've done like a lot of averages and look what they're doing everything like that but first and foremost let's just pretend it's a 16 game season for the sample size because we can't we can't really decide how to how to factor this in for 17 games so what i said is let's we're going to bump this up and we're just going to go to 475 so yes there is an increase because rashad bateman is there uh, and then I took it down to 70% uh, completion rate. And then Bateman having a 25% uh, uh, reception target share in this offense, uh, which which leads you to, I think it's like around like 82, 81, either way. Uh, I, I'm just going to set a 90 catches per season extrapolated for 16 games barrier uh, in top tor- 24 wide receivers over the past. And I went back four years, guys. I know this isn't the biggest, like the biggest sample size ever, but like, The NFL has been changing enough in the past four years, pretty significantly. Uh, I can't remember when like the new rookie contracts came in for quarterbacks, but like that definitely shifted shifted the dynamic in the NFL. And we're seeing that now. So anyway, but let's just say four, four years is really important. Uh, 90 catch barrier again, extrapolated. So if a wide receiver finishes like wide receiver 23 and played 14 games and had 87 catches, they get eliminated from the model because in a 16 game pace, they'd be done. I did not replace those players. Uh, I just took them out. Uh, I like it because, because again, like in a fantasy season, they're they're finishing as this or not. I'm just, I just want to show that, like, the good goal was to see if, if somebody who's getting a lower amount of catches, if they can be fantasy viable.
1: Sorry, I don't have any information about that, but I found something related.
2: <laughs> oh, that's because you don't have access to my Google Sheet, Alexa or Siri. So let's go. Uh, again. So let's bring it all back. Bring it all back.
0: I'm so not sure, mine.
2: Uh, this is too. Funny. So <laughs> anyway, bringing it back, 475 attempts, 7% completion rate. So we're taking it down from this, and I'm only doing it on a 16 game pace. So I'm not saying like there's going to be more because of 17 games. Anyway, uh, so here's here's where we're really gonna go, everybody. This is uh this, this kind of goes. A little bit off the rails and there is more to add to this but uh it's important in the overall scope so first and foremost so 2017 2018 2019 2020 uh wide receiver ones with under 90 catches in a 16 game pace uh 14 total or 29 percent of them uh they're averaging like three like three and a half per year as the wide receiver one through 12. Uh, we're in this group and the average finish was around like wide receiver nine. So put it around there. So saying that you have, you know, roughly almost four receivers every year, finishing as a top 12 wide receiver with under 90 catches in an extrapolated pace, which I think is, I think is super interesting. You're actually going to have like touchdown variants in there, but again, let's just look at catches because that's what this tweet was looking at. So 29% of the last four years, wide receiver ones were under a 90 catch, but uh, like like extrapolated you know season stats so there's a we're you know we're kind of starting to get some hope here right we're trying to get some hope here when you look at just wide receiver ones on counting stats looking at targets or receptions uh per 16 games you're going to 123 targets and 79 receptions so I do think the 123 targets is a little bit out of like Bateman's around but even just for receivers in general in this area you get a lot of receivers that just had basically bad quarterbacks that couldn't hit their wide receivers but they were catching enough and scoring enough long touchdowns to be fantasy relevant. But this breaks down to, you know, seven and a half targets a game and five catches a game. Do you think big going to do that this rookie year just to be a hit or, or, or near two? We don't really know, but the whole goal of this is to show that uh, wide receivers in full, P- full PPR can be way more fantasy relevant than kind of what this is looking at. And again, I kind of, I forgot at the beginning I'm using PFF fantasy stats from, uh, like their history in there based on preset PPR scoring, so if is something you you quickly see that is different, that's the reason. So now we're going to to wide receiver twos because the the general analytical consensus is that if somebody's a wide receiver two in one year, they're a hit. Correct? Fair enough. And I think it's correct, at least closely. I think Peter, like, hey, Peter Howard, I think that's what you use. <laughs> so, uh, so under ninety catches or under, or basically under 90 catches in a 16-game pace overall, uh, 35 total in the last four years, or 73% uh, fin- like, or eight, basically 8.75 or nine a year. So basically every wide, like the majority of wide receivers twos in the last four years finished with under 90 catches are in, are in this Rashad Bateman range. And I'm kind of droning on here because I didn't prepare how to really talk about this overly well. It's hard to really be passionate about all these like, like, like little stats here and there. What I want to say is, if, if he finishes with a 25% target share and isn't a high receptions total kind of guy, I am not worried whatsoever about Rashad Bateman because 29% of wide receiver ones in the, in the last four years and 73% of wide receiver twos in the last four years, this is extrapolated for 16 games, so this is a pace I uh, finished in the top 24. And I think that's the key part to know. So Jake, how do you react to these numbers? Like, do you, do you feel
1: better about this knowing that he doesn't need to have 140 targets necessarily, or you still just make you a little nervous, this Bateman stuff.
0: Um, it doesn't make me nervous at all. I think it really depends on what your expectations of Bateman are. If you're expecting a wide receiver one top 12 in fantasy, it, it might be a bit of a reach for him. Um, when, when in the offseason, we thought that Bateman was going to be six one two ten, that was in his range of outcomes. Like, he had that potential to be, like, an alpha dog. I'm not saying he can't be because his tape was pretty phenomenal. But he's definitely more, like, like if you're expecting a wide receiver two from Bateman, I think he's pretty, dish, like, a shoe-in to be a wide receiver two eventually in his career. Like, I don't, I think that is 100% in his range of outcomes. But a wide receiver one coming from Baltimore who hasn't produced a, a thousand yard receiver in the past few years with Lamar Jackson, with like this tweet laid out, this just does not throw the ball. They pride themselves on running the ball. Bayman's going to have to be incredibly efficient with the targets that he does get. And again, I'm not saying he can't, but um, it's just, it's just going to be more, it's going to be difficult. Um, some com- some comps for him for in that weight range is going to be Calvin Ridley, Jerry. Greenland, and. If he excels at well running and again, if he's just incredibly efficient, it's possible like he's going to get that wide receiver two, wide receiver three range. But a lot of those guys, those guys are interchangeable, right? Like that's not a difference maker on your fantasy team, in my mind.
1: Yeah, you know, when we talked about our tiers, you know, I had Bateman in a tier with um, Terrence Marshall, Trey Sermon, Elijah Moore, and I definitely would take Bateman ahead of Elijah Moore, but I'm not so sure about those other two guys anymore. Because because Trey Sermon, I think we we you know the you know he's he's a pretty talented back in in a, in a really good system for him for his skill set. And then Terrence Marshall, I just I'm intrigued by his you know he his superior size and and potential and that Carolina offense. We just talked about how. You know, he may go from Sam Darnold to another even better quarterback with his old offensive coordinator. I think they're going to know how to use him. So that's exciting that Carolina offense, if you look back to last year, almost produced three top 24 wide receivers. If you throw in Curtis Samuel, along with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. So I want to ask you guys this. Well, I want to ask you first, um, is is in that tier, those guys that I named, is it Bateman easy for you? Is a Bateman in a tier above those guys or would you still keep them in there with, you know, around Trey Sermon, Terrence Marshall range?
2: So I, I do want to recap a little bit of this, too, because I was just trying to like dive through everything is this is this overview is based on uh, points uh, like PPR scoring. There is a better like it, the, the 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 total like target and catch. I, I, let's just focus specifically on catches. Catch volume is not a good barrier to talk about how well a wide receiver is going to do. We need to talk more about how, how efficient the quarterback can be, what offense they're in and what that player is. So just looking at this as a Rashad Bateman tweet, it I, I spent way too much time doing this, but at the end of the day, like this is just like, I mean, like, what do you want to take away from this? Like you, you can't fade Rashad Bateman because of this tweet. Like that, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, if you like Terrace Marshall as a prospect better, yeah. You want a team that's going to throw the ball potentially 600 times a year? I, I get that that that's probably a better bet. But what I want to say is, if you truly believe Rashad Bateman is the much better prospect, this landing spot, it doesn't really bother me that much. Uh, it, it, things change time over time. And, and Lamar Jackson hasn't been that interact- inaccurate of a quarterback over the past few years. Yeah, he looked really bad in the Pro Bowl, but that's not the type of quarterback he is. He's not just a sit-back like stand and launch a target step of quarterback. He, 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 you know, throws off platform. He runs around. It's so much different, but the, the long story short is, is people are worried about the amount of like catches he's possibly able to get by extrapolating these stats. And what I'm saying is uh, most wide receiver twos don't have over 90 catches uh, in the last four years. Uh, There's only like three or four wide receiver threes in the last four years that had over 90 catches uh, in, in their season. And with the wide receiver twos too, that that's a, you know, I'm taking that as a 16 game pace. So it just, uh, I'm just kind of like, this is, if anything, Ryan, with what this whole research has done, is that if you can get Bateman at a at a discount in your draft, just because of the offense he's playing in, I'm actually going against, uh, w- what JJ and Kevin are saying here. Like, I I think are I think that you are, you're you're gonna regret it is at the end of the day. So g- getting back to to the the
1: question then uh so so Bateman for you definitely above Marshall and Trey Sermon and and if, and if so is he like a whole tier above with other players or is, is he around that same range
2: yeah I would so he's above Trey Sermon after this like study <laughs> and I had Trey Sermon above him beforehand but uh yeah it's a, I don't know like Ryan it's a, a half a tier I don't know tiering like, is so- tough for me Okay. That's fine. But, but you like, just,
1: just cut to the chase. You, you definitely take Bateman over Marshall and Sermon.
2: Yeah. I just think fading Bateman is a mistake heavily. Uh, and another part to look at this is so, so comps in the last four years. So at PFS comps, they have Nelson Aguilar, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley. Uh, all, these are all four players that that have hit in the last four years with under 90 catches in a 16 game pace. Uh, Justin jefferson is the only wide receiver one out of the group uh because of the, the you know the cat we're talking about catch volume not just an overall finish with 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 under 90 catches but both Eglar, Ceedee lamb and calvin ridley were, were great wide receiver twos uh and then i was checking player profiler and we we're talking with jake too but like Diggs and boyd were in there and they're both in the sample size and we're talking about a sample size of it's not that many wide receivers overall that it's not, you know, it's not the total 96 that you would get from a normal sample size like this. So he has good comps. The players have done this in the past and this, this passing volume. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little scary, but, uh, uh, eight, you know, AJ Brown in 2020 did it with, uh, with his team's passing attempts under 500 Stefan digs the same thing in 2019 This under what, Oh, but, I think I
1: think there's one thing you're missing. Why are those guys that have fewer catches and volume, why are they, you know, wide receiver twos? I think it's because of touchdowns. I mean, just doing a quick look at this, like I look at um guy okay, Adam Thielen had seventy four receptions, but he had fourteen touchdowns. Mike Evans, seventy catches but thirteen touchdowns. Um, so I I think Looking at the AJ Brown, there's a good one. 70 catches, only 14 games, but 70 catches, 11 touchdowns. So one of the things I worry about is like how many touchdowns does Bateman have? How many touchdowns can Lamar Jackson throw? Um, like what, what's his? What's going to be his average? Not what he did a couple of years ago, but is it more like you know? Which is 26 is is not horrible, but how many of those go to to Bateman?
2: So I think that's another thing to look at too. Um, Wait, but that, uh, why why are we looking at Justin Jefferson? He didn't have a bunch of touchdowns.
1: Well, but he had, you know, eighty-eight targets, um, if, in in yardage, fourteen hundred yards, yeah. seven touchdowns. That's so not bad. So, are you are you thinking he's gonna? Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate a little bit. Honestly, yeah, yeah,
2: and and it's totally fine. So, how how many touchdown passes did did Kirk Cousins have last year? Hmm. Oh, I'll take a look. Uh, but but I think I think one thing you t- but you you summed it up well
1: when you said there are three things you're looking at here. You're, you want to look at you, you know the caliber of quarterback they're playing with. You want to look at the offense that they're in, and you want to look at the talent. I think you, I think we all agree he's got the talent, but does he have the quarterback and the right type of offense? Well, uh, so right, that's a fair want- question. To, and to Kirk Cousins had 35 touchdowns compared to Lamar Jackson's 26 passing.
2: Yeah, and then what? Lamar had 35 the year before. I don't know if he gets back to that, but let's just say it's, it's somewhat close and they like uh, Bateman doesn't have an Adam Thielen in that offense. not, not the same type of person. I mean, they have Marquise Brown, but he's never going to be a big touchdown getter overall. Right. right. Um, and so I also took this another direction, Ryan, like just factoring out quarterback play and just looking at like total team passing attempts when I was going through that. Uh, I think there's some good ones because in 2019, Stefan Diggs, Stefan, Stefan Diggs. Like Minnesota threw the ball less than five hundred times then, and he finishes the twentieth wide receiver uh, in PPR, and that's using ext- like that was he also missed a few games, but his his sixteen game pace was sixty two or sixty seven receptions. Uh, AJ Brown in tw- again in twenty nineteen with Ryan Tannehill of all people, uh, they threw four hundred forty eight times, finishes wide receiver twenty one with fifty two catches. Tyler Lockett in twenty eighteen uh, had fifty seven catches on four hundred twenty seven pass attempts for the Seahawks and finishes wide receiver 60 what uh, the what i want to get at with this is under like 100 catches is too big of a barrier to set for for these types of things like oftentimes uh like players that are comparable to bateman uh have really successful seasons without hundred catches yeah and i
1: will say that that's the thing if you're in a league where people are really fading bateman because they're really worried about the, um, the landing spot Then I think it is time to pounce because I think it's like, I, I can stand here and make a pretty strong argument. I think to take Marshall over Bateman or even Trey Sermon over Bateman. That said, if he, if, if, if Bateman slips like further down past those guys, I mean, I, I think he is a tremendous value because I think at the end of the day, you may not get the volume you want or the touchdowns you want, but I, I feel like he's a pretty safe player and, and there's some value to guys like that. Cause I think he, I think he's going to be good um jake what about you where do you where do you see this this debate with bateman and and have you rethought where you have him in your tiers or rankings
0: uh a little bit like i think will's research is pretty great um i think the passing attempts is no reason to fade uh rashad bateman because as will kind of pointed out there's lots of people who still hit regardless um, and Ryan, you've said how talented he is. So if you think that he's talented enough to be efficient with the targets, there's definitely more of like a great possibility he hits as that wide receiver too. Again, it's all about your expectations. If you're trying to get a wide receiver one with Rashad Bateman, you're probably looking at the wrong guy. But if you're aiming for a wide receiver two potential, like he seems to really fit that bill. The targets aren't aren't going to be a huge deal if he's like that super talented
1: guy that we think he can be. Yeah. I think, I think that's, I think that's well said. Um, let's move on. I think from this tweet, I think we've talked a lot about Bateman and I want to get into um, uh, for lack of a better term, what we'll call our um, group me trade discussion of the week. So a lot of listeners know that we have this group me chat that I think Trey Barrett started Um and it's the fantasy addicts support group. And, you know, we have, we have a lot of fun conversations in there about different, different trades and, and what's going on in the league. So this trade that Tony Mayfield um, put in for some feedback is interesting because it, this is a one quarterback league and um, the, the, the man that's, that's offering this deal is, was a champion last year and he has Darren Waller and he's very interested in Kyle Pitts. So what he's doing is he's offering to Tony a package of Darren Waller, a his 2022 first, and then the 102 in this rookie draft. Um, and the, for, in return, it, it, it's Josh Jacobs and the 103. So this is kind of a weird deal, right? Because this person um, it, it is, is basically just trading up one spot and the reason they're including Darren Waller is because they know if Tony has Waller on his roster, and I think Tony's already said this, that he's not going to chase Kyle Pitts. So, so it's Waller, the 22 first round pick, and this year's 102 for Josh Jacobs and the 103. And we had some fun talking about this because I think there are a lot of factors at play here. Um you know, Darren Waller is a difference maker tight end. Um probably is gonna be the The best tight end in 2021, I think the three of us would agree. But Kyle Pitts, is it worth chasing Kyle Pitts? Is it worth making this deal um, to to add Kyle Pitts and and Josh Jacobs, you know, on your roster, who is probably undervalued running back? So, what did you guys think of this? Because I waited on the chat. I said, I think that I I think you're you're telling me I can move up one spot in the rookie draft and acquire Darren Waller and get a first round pick on top of that, basically to, to. to give the guy my my a little bit later pick and Josh Jacobs a, a, a distressed asset in dynasty, give me the Waller side. Whereas Trey Barrett came in and said, and I, and Trey made really good arguments for this. You know, I, I take I take the um, I you know I stay where you're at and you take Kyle Pitts and you take that unicorn and you ride him to future titles. Um, and he feels that Josh Jacobs is undervalued. His value will bounce back. So, what do you guys think about this?
0: I think, uh, should, we, should we even talk about this right now? Has this trade been accepted? I don't want to blow up uh, Tony's spot here. I think this is a smash for the Waller side. The staying where you are argument and drafting pits, I don't even know if that works because if this guy really wants pits, what's stopping him from taking pits at 102? Like you're no, There's no guarantee you're going to get the pits at 103 in that case um you could i don't i don't know if they've had previous talks already like gentlemen agreement that he wouldn't take waller and Pitts. but why not make that deal and then take kyle Pitts? I think <laughs> right
1: well I, th- I think that's off the table because like we joked about that in the yeah. chat and he said no yeah I've i have said that i wouldn't do it I so...
0: some context out there yeah so if you look at this as he's going to be drafting so i guess he, if he's saying he would draft kyle it would be different but If you can just take the picks out of there because it's sorry, well, um, because it's a one pick difference, I'm gonna sell Josh Jacobs for Waller in a future first. I feel like that's almost a smash. No, this
2: this is a complete team build offer. So, uh, I I assume that uh, the 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 team giving away Jacobs is not very deep at running back. Like this is gonna be a, a necessity to take a running back at the 102. Like that's that's the goal here. Like they've identified that. Like maybe you have like one or two other starters, maybe just one other stud. So it's a, you know, you basically say like, they're trying to put it into the context. Like you can't take pits here because your team needs are going to necessitate you taking this. Um, and honestly, I, I, yeah, I think Josh Jacobs is fine, but his value as an asset is only value to the people that have him. Like most people are selling Josh Jacob a lot cheaper than, than what, than what you want for him when he's on your own team. Uh, I think Jacobs is, is a dynasty asset. I don't see a big peak for him. I, I don't see him going going much higher. I know that he has first round draft capital and he's had like some okay statistics these last k- like couple of years. But we're we're going to continually have uh, running backs coming in and getting churned and burned that are going to be able to produce more fantasy points than Josh Jacobs. So I'm going to take the Darren Waller side. And if I if I feel you know, again, if there's a gentleman's agreement, yeah, I'll I'll take Travis Etienne. Or Najee Harris, whatever goes one hundred and two, and call it a day. Like I'll take you over Jacobs right now.
1: All right. Well, there you have it, Tony. That's because I, 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 I think we're uh, three for three here, I, and I can see the argument to, um, you know, to take the Jacobs and, and the one hundred and three with the idea that one hundred and three is going to get Kyle Pitts. I I, I understand that, but. There, there, there is no guarantee that Jacobs is going to bounce back as, as well as you point out, or, or or rise any higher, even if he does bounce back. And I, I, you know, I, I think you got Darren Waller. You got a chance to win in 2021. You know, you, 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 on that side, you take a great running back at the 102. Um, You've got a future first in your back pocket that you can use in season to trade for more assets if you want to, or maybe it you know rises in value. And then you have Darren Waller, man, the guy's a difference maker. We we know that he's going to be. I mean, barring you know as, as all things you know being equal and no injuries, that kind of thing, uh, you know, the odds of Darren Waller being a an elite tight end one are, are higher than Pitts. And maybe uh, Pitts has a much better career, but I don't know. I, I like to play in shorter windows than that. I I love Pitts. We all love Pitts, but
2: yeah. Also, um, also the, the 2021 draft or the, sorry, the 2022 draft class, you just need to operate right now to risk that it's going to be deeper than what this draft class is in one quarterback. I mean, our, our one quarterback draft last year, the first five picks were all running backs and they were great picks. Then we had a whole mess of first round wide receivers to choose from. And then you go back to running back a little bit. And then you guys have guys like Brandon, you T Higgins that are in the mid second. I would, I would suspect that we're going to see a better bounce back one that the whole, the whole total draft class size this year was much smaller for the NFL draft. So I think, uh, yeah, I would be, cause that, that 2022 is being devalued because of this year's draft being the way it was and the way that they're going through it.
0: I, I, uh, this is a completely a little bit off topic, but well, it's not off topic. Just a different trick change of strategy. Why don't, uh, you take that one or two, and you trade up to the one-on-one, and you take Kyle Pitts. No gentleman agreement there. Yeah, I know. I, I'd
2: probably just go running back there. Because <laughs> if, if you've lost Josh Jacobs, and you don't have another, like, fix in there, having Kyle Pitts and Darren Waller, I mean, when you have both those tight ends of your team, other teams might look at your team and trade. Like, you know your league. Is it going to benefit you? Like, you, can't, you have to figure that out. Total value-wise, I, I think the – you know, you know, getting, getting the, 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 larger package back is better, but you're, you're going to have to work some things out.
0: I, I think it really depends where your team is at too. Like uh, if you are in a longer rebuild, I might be more keen to take a chase or a pitch before one of the running backs, where if you're in a championship window, you should be taking that work, workhorse running back. Um, if he's not in a position to like train made the point that he would trade Waller and that first for, pitch straight up and i don't think that's too far-fetched like i completely think that's how big the gap is between Pitts and waller if not bigger um so it's like again it depends where he's at because i don't think picking these running backs before Pitts is the wrong answer either depending on where you're thinking about
1: yeah that's 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 fair it's a good point um any, any other thoughts on this
2: on this trade guys or or discussion or shall we move on we, yeah just the the quick thing i would take etienne and harris over josh jacobs so if i would trade waller in that first for Pitts, that's okay so I would say I would, like true. i think i'd take the 102 over jacobs so then if we're looking at darren waller in that uh 20 first for Pitts, i think that's much like i'm much less passionate about that than i am about the 102 over jacobs
0: i think i would take Trey sermon before josh jacobs nah, or, like, I, Josh jacobs is hard close out to hard forward. out He's he's wow. closer to that territory for me than he's than he is the Etn and Najee.
1: Oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, all right, let, let guys let let's move on and um, any, anything you know that's that's standing out. I guess we're gonna move into some rookie draft talk or, or rookie auction talk because we've all been in a series of rookie drafts and auctions and we're seeing some interesting things that I think makes sense to share with listeners. Um, and the first thing I'm going to say, and this is probably obvious, but Kadarius Tony, I think is an amazing value in pretty much any league you're in, whether it's an auction, whether it's, it's a, it's a, you know, a, a snake draft, or whatever. I, I just, the disrespect for this first round wide receiver and, and listen, we were doing it too. Well, on the show, we joked about that. We were looking at mock drafts where the bears were, were mocking Tony at, at 20. We just kind of laughed about what a horrible pick that would be. Well, he went at 20 to the giants. And I, I just think we're, we're, we're seeing him go um, the, what, what, um Clan dynasty well where you, you traded in to get tony what was that was that the 307 or something like that
2: it was the 209 ryan 209 single two, quarterback lead. okay doing two, okay the single quarterback 209 but like the 209
1: for a, a first round wide receiver i mean that's that's pretty wild
2: yeah it's, um, it's also it's also the difference between like dogging on him as a nfl draft pick because we don't like him as a prospect overall right like in general his, his yeah. profile isn't something we're interested in but it's draft capital Whoa.
1: But in the, the day, I'm going to bet on draft capital over anything because I know, uh, you know these. I know the, the scouts, these teams. I mean, most of the time, no more than we do. Not always, but most of the time, they do.
2: So okay. you're still taking Daniel Jones before Dwayne Haskins.
1: <laughs> Daniel
2: yeah, yeah, I'm joking. I'm joking, Ryan. Take a relax. Like, Wait a
1: second. Wait a second. <laughs> Which one went first? I'm so confused. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I, I just, I just think that the value is is pretty, pretty amazing. Um. Uh, So looking at um, this auction addicts group that I'm in with a bunch of savvy people in the Dynasty community, um, you know, Tony went for just a little bit more than, um, uh, you know, Pat Farmuth or Chuba or, or, uh, H- H- Hubbard, for example, went for $64 and then Tony went for $75. So, and, and granted a lot of, with auctions, you got to look at the timing of thing and strat- strategy and all that kind of stuff. But I just, I don't know. I just think Tony, that's my big, one of my biggest takeaways is I just think he's a ridiculously great value, even if you don't like him. So.
2: Yeah. He, he, he's going to have every opportunity to move up in value. Uh, the wire y- like, Sterling Shepard is not a reason to not draft Kadarius Tony, in my opinion. And I don't think it's close. Yeah, I would agree with
1: that. Um, Jake, any other thoughts or any, any observations you've seen? What stands out to you in these rookie drafts you're doing auctions?
0: auctions? Um, well, in regards to Kadarius Tony, and uh, we talked about it in my first episode with the Joes. I was on the clock at 2.07 in a super flex league. And that's after the big tier of wide receivers and after Trey Sermon and Michael Carter are off the board and it should be Kadarius Tony easily. And this is, this draft was done right after the NFL draft. Um, We knew draft capital, all that. Um, Lots of hype for who I picked, Amon Ross St. Brown, not, not a lot of hype for Kadarius Tony, a lot of, a lot of hate. If I had that pick back, I would have picked Kadarius Tony 10 out of 10 times. I do not know what I was thinking. I feel like I feel like the draft just follow the draft capital trust the process
1: hey it happens we all make mistakes in drafts and auctions even though when we look back we're like why why did I do that why did I take that guy it, it happens
2: I,
0: mean, um, I, I don't
2: ever and you know as far as say, <laughs> why is there one <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: You, you, no regrets for all those Rashad Penny shares as well back in the day that you, you took,
2: right? I was actually pretty off Rashad Penny, but I did get a couple and I regret every single one of those. I, yeah, you, even a
1: one was too much. Sony right,
2: Michelle, Sony Michelle is the player you meant to mention, Ryan. Uh, Sony Michelle, yeah. that, that cost me so much. So, so, so much. And that was following the draft capital. I felt like it went so poorly. I, I, Ugh. yeah, I,
1: I, I, I still I could think, cry over that. Right. I still think. Where where he was cause in that draft wasn't he like the I don't know, say Michelle like the 105, 106, 107. I could be misremembering. Maybe he was going higher, but I i don't know. I'm looking back, I don't think that was that was horrible. I mean it's for first round, man. We had two running backs in the first round that draft that because I'm pretty sure it was Penny and Michelle, right? Well, it same. was
2: Bark it was Barkley,
1: Penny the Michelle. Yeah. So <clears throat> so two two first round running backs, you know, bust out. You know, that doesn't happen very often. So um, What other other observations, guys? What, what else are you seeing? What else is interesting to you?
0: I, I have a bone to pick. I cannot understand why Anthony Schwartz is going so late in rookie drafts. <laughs> I, like, I'll, I'll get this out on the table. He's I just, pretty slow,
1: Jake. I've yeah,
0: he's, he's very slow. He's like he's running in mud. I drafted him at 412 in a super flex, uh, two tight end league, so obviously other players are getting a boost. But at 412, he's... He's free. What I like about Anthony Schwartz, he ran a four two seven on his pro day. The guy can blaze. Day two draft capital. He got. He had exactly the draft capital you could have wished for. He is six foot one eighty six pounds. So the guy, he has the size you're looking for. He's not a Marquise Brown. Not that there's anything wrong with the small blazers, but he's a bigger guy. He's he's going to be a be- best ball gem with the, with that kind of speed. All you're really looking for is four targets. But if like if he can. If he's so efficient with those targets that he's going to get 100 yards and a touchdown or two, all you really need is a week or two, uh, he's going to make your starting lineup. And again, he's free in drafts. He he got a decent landing spot in the Browns. The only competition he has for the wide receiver three spot is Rashad Higgins and Peoples-Jones, which in my mind is no competition because they were day three draft picks and didn't really show much with their time so far. Um, One comparison, I already mentioned it, for me for anthony schwartz is marquise brown they ran the exact same speed they have a similar offense that chooses to run the ball more than pass the ball and but you're getting where brown might be valued at a second round pick you're again anthony schwartz is a fourth round pick they're both going to be the third receiving option on their team behind andrews bateman you got marquise brown and behind beckham and landry you have anthony schwartz This guy is of value. You should be sweeping him up while you can. Um, I I have him in the exact same tier as I have the other day three, um, day two wide receivers. Amari Rogers, Diami Brown, Nico Collins, Josh Palmer. I have him ahead uh, with uh, Dwayne Eskridge, Amon Ross, and Brown. These guys are all in the same tier. Some of them are going late second. And again, I'll say it for like the fifth time. Anthony Schwartz is going late fourth, if not undrafted in some of your leagues. He's a free lotto picker.
1: So I looked, Jake, in in this auction X league, and he is still uh, available. He has not been bid on. This is the last day to put someone on the board. So I have a little bit of time. I've submitted my $1 bid for Anthony Schwartz.
0: He is he's uh, and a half years old. I think he's the second youngest player in the NFL right now. All
2: uh, right. Jake, I, I completely agree with everything you said, but I'm just kidding. I completely agree with everything you said. This is, this is awesome. And Anthony Schwartz is such a value. And you brought this to light. Cause I wasn't really paying atten- paying that much attention to Anthony Schwartz. And even after this whole like Bateman research, it's more relevant to, to everything else. One, the Browns pass a ton more uh, than the Ravens do. And so let's say that he's going to end up with, you know, like, like what it'd be like uh, 95 targets and potentially 75 catches. Well, in most years, that could potentially be good for a wide receiver two, or if he's really just a deep threat and and has a few long touchdowns, wide receiver one territory in and, and seasons to come. So just because again, that was that that Bateman research is a crowded wide receiver depth chart. You don't have to have a ton of catches if you have other attributes that make you special. So I think you're I think you're 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 very very right with your with like the the A3 Sports like bringing that to light and like. It, it, there's just I, I don't want to say we'll like uh, like promise that we'll regret not taking him but there's a better chance than what we are showing in rookie drafts right now and grab him I value
0: I think that speed is going to be undeniable like the first day of practices he's going to be the fastest guy on the field like he's going to get time playing time simply from special teams or what he's going to do to the defenses like He's gonna he's gonna get snaps. He's and simply just by that he's gonna get opportunity. And like you said, you just chase those elite attributes. He's got good comparables in Curtis Samuel, Randall Cobb, Ted Ginn. He's free.
2: Yeah, and being the the wider receiver three on a depth chart to start, it doesn't like it. It doesn't completely remove you from being a valuable wide receiver one, in one a single season. Away. So one
0: injury away. Anyway. And, I like uh, that that
1: was a great that was a great top great deep dive we love we love that jake and yeah Baker
0: Baker's not scared to throw a deep either, and he can he can use that speed in the slot like I'm not saying he's gonna get slot work with Landry and Odell there, but you can, they can move him around,
2: yeah, I mean Baker's completion procession is a lot lower than Lamar jackson, but uh you know they'll probably have more team pass attempts this year all right
0: well even
2: I don't think you've shared any of your takeaways from your rookie
1: drafts, rookie auctions. Is there anything else that's standing out in your mind? That's just like, you're just like, this is, I keep seeing
2: this. This is odd. Well, we never should have broke the Josh Palmer fandom. Uh, Cause now I haven't gotten him in a couple places and that's upsetting. Yeah. Uh, he's overall. he's he's getting some buzz. I, I don't know if it's,
1: it's, it's probably not only from the Joes. I'm sure other people are talking him up a little bit. I think.
2: Still yeah. Not. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, I, I like, like you see in Superflex, and you kind of see based on your scoring where quarterbacks are going. Uh, one of my drafts, Zach Wilson went at the 111 and then Mac Jones at the 112. I would be, if, when I saw Zach Wilson available at the 111, I'm doing a, li- a little bit of work to try to move up to get him versus Mac Jones. Um, Bateman is still often the fourth wide receiver off the board, it's uh, that's pretty consensus, but that that's a so again, when we were talking about Bateman, it's not necessarily like, hey, you need to boost him up your board. It's just saying your expectations should be higher than than what these kind of tweets and and th- that other uh analysis says. Uh Trey Sherman has been moving up quite a bit. Uh I think I think Michael Carter for the Jets, he went at what went the 109 round in our single quarterback league. Uh I would never pay the 109 for a fourth round running back. That's just a horrible, horrible idea. Sorry for listening to this, but it just doesn't make sense. It, like, in a million I, years, it's like, like not, not non, non, non Bell Cal size. is testing wasn't that great. I, I just it, there was better options on the table right there. Oh, for sure, a lot, a lot of better options
1: in that draft. Not to call out that person, but I don't think they're a listener of the show, or they wouldn't have done that.
2: But um, trade Sermon's kind of gotten like he's gotten more, like too expensive now to acquire. I think I got him in one place. But that was right before. I feel like Tracer made a massive leap in value. Like he's going so much higher than before. yeah, okay. So the, this league we're referring to he went at the at the one
1: ten, um, which I think. you Wait, know,
2: sermon went at the one
1: ten. Sermon in this league went at the one ten. Yes, I mean he probably shouldn't have. He probably should have gone maybe a little earlier, or or maybe that's fair. Maybe that's where where he belongs to go. I, I don't. I think that's worth trying to, to get him. If you believe in him, I, mean, I mean, Sermon's a guy that I've definitely gotten higher on over the past week because I, I just, you know, the, he's got that day two draft capital. He's gone into a, an offensive scheme. That's going to really fit his talents. Well, I, and, and I, I, and maybe he's not a guy you're going to be able, able to rely on. I don't necessarily think he's going to just take over that backfield, but I think there will be weeks where he'll get an opportunity in San Francisco and, and, and they got a great offensive line. They run the ball. Well, one of the best in the league. So I I, just, I do think he has a lot of value. I mean, he's definitely a guy that could be a high riser. Um So I, I, I don't know. I'm like, do I want sermon the running back or do I want to, you know, take like a Terrence Marshall? I mean, as much as I love Terrence Marshall, I just, I don't know. I feel like with sermon, you could get, you know, um just some, some, some instant, like, you know, flip ability. Yeah.
2: Right. I think you moved sermon up to the one Oh nine in this league and you Michael Carter behind basically like, Elijah Moore, Rondo Moore, Terrace Marshall, um, and Kadarius Tony. I think he should be, you know, right around that two hundred three pick. Like that's 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 responsible.
1: Oh, for for Carter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too. And but it's just that you know it's that narrative that always wins the day is you know it's all about landing spot and it's like I don't care about draft capital. Like who who's better than him in that backfield? Um, and it, and honestly, I I I don't know that he's better than you, you know, um, uh, the competition, or they're not going to bring anyone else, else in, which we, we need to talk about the free agents that are out there. Um, yeah,
2: so yeah, I have another, I have another league where we went before Tony. Uh, he went before Kellen Mond in a, in a super flex league, which I, I don't know. Like, Kellen Mond, I do we really expect anything from Kellen Mond, everybody? Yes. No, I, no, I i, I kind of do
1: i i i got a i i took him late in a one qB league that i'm in and i'm i'm kind of excited about it even a one qB i don't know he's an athletic, he's an athletic guy i mean he he's a dual threat so i i mean he could i don't know there's a world there's a
2: world Well, where there, there i agree i agree there is a world
0: i want to go back and just say trey sermon is like definitely worth taking a shot on i think everyone has their risks in this kind of area and just like Kyle Shanahan has Jacob, uh, I don't know, a clutch fantasy. Jacob Rick Road um, recently tweeted that like Kyle Shanahan made RB ones. Oh, like I'm pretty sure this is overall out of Alfred Morris, Devontae Freeman. I think he made an RB one out of a guy named Steve Slayton. I don't know. Don't know who that is. I get the Keyshawn Vaughn comparables because of the like the depth in the backfield. But there's a there's huge opportunity there if he does hit. None of those guys were third round picks. Um, Steve Slayton was.
2: Yeah, it, I don't know if that really counts
1: at this point. He's thirty five. I think I heard someplace that that Tevin Coleman is the um, highest um, draft capital that it's ever been in his offense, so. and he
2: he overpaid for Jared McKinnon and then Tevin Coleman again in San Francisco. I that's the, that's my worry about with the Shanahan running backs is. They're they're disposable and replaceable and he plays the hot hand. Like as soon as Tevin Coleman had a preseason injury and Devonta Freeman came in, they never went back to him when he was healthy.
0: Trey Lance is going to help that running game as well. And like that, like they focus so much on the offensive line and then just creating holes that if if Trey Sermon can show that he's able to like you're completely right, that they use them in a way that they will run him to the to the ground almost. So, like, Sermon might have a, a a few weeks in fantasy where he is hitting his ceiling, but he he could easily become – he could lose his value just as quick as he gains it. Yeah. And,
2: and I, I think with Lancer, too, we haven't really seen a rushing quarterback since RG3 in, like, a Shanahan-esque type of offense, but we're it's not going to be – I I think the Lamar Jackson type of effect that running quarterbacks have on running backs – is going to be more prevalent than what rg3 did all that all that time ago i just uh i don't get me wrong i i, I think say trey sermon is worth the pick at where you're getting him i just struggle with like I, he's not a, like a guy i want to go up and get i don't want to pay they extra agree. draft capital go. so that's that's where we end up like i, I love that's trey fair. sermon for where he is and i don't like i feel like i've been hating on this whole this process the whole time but i'm not just uh i want players that i want to go up and get guys that's what i hate i hate about this track
0: clips so if he's the best player, Brian, if he's the best player on the board, would you rather pick him, or would you trade out of that and get like a late first next year? I feel like that's where he's being valued right now.
1: For me, it's probably the late first, is, is what I'm inclined to, to say, Jake. Okay, and, and I, and well, I like, the, I'm glad you applied that litmus test because that's really important because you really do discover, like in these drafts, you know, whether you've got rookie picks or not like how much you like guys. Um, so in this same draft, I traded into the one Oh six to get Javante Williams. And, and, you know, according to the trade calculators, I probably probably lost the deal a little bit. Right. Um, but like, I realized when I saw that, I'm like, he's at the one Oh six. I really like that running back. I, I'm really a big believer in him. I'm going to go get him. Um, this, you know, same thing with Terrence Marshall. I overpaid it in an auction t- to get him because I, w- I just, I just like that profile i just i just i don't know so you're right that's a good good way to know like you when when the the best guy on your board is still there do you feel motivated to like want to be aggressive and get him or are you kind of like eh, you know maybe i should try to make a move but i'm not that excited so i'm just i'm just gonna see what happens yeah like
2: i'll put an offer out there but it's like yeah yeah, i'll give you a i'll give you a russell gage with with next year's next year's second or something you know so are there any
1: guys that you're finding like that then? So I kind of, I named my, my two that I, I realized. Um, and, and then I also try, I wasn't able to get Tony, but when I've seen him slip, I, I am trying to go in and get Tony, but that's more of a value thing. Not because it's like, I got to get Tony on my team. I'm just like, I think I could get a pretty good value here. So what about you guys? Any, any guys you like now, maybe whether it surprised you or not, that you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to be aggressive here and go get that guy or try,
2: even if you were successful or, or you weren't. Travis, Etienne. Got him a couple times. Yeah. I've been very aggressive at getting, not getting him. And,
1: and well, is that like every league that you're just like, or you, you kind of see an opportunity. He's slipping a little bit. It's like, I'm going to go get him. Like what, what's, or are you just going into every drafts like, I'm going to try to get that guy.
2: Well, no, no. It's just as if somebody says the, like the one on two is on the block. I'm, I'm going to be the first one there to send offers and be nice in the conversation. Try to open it up. Well, it's a good sweet talker in those, those trade talks. Let me tell you.
0: I noticed that uh, I was but thinking. I'm also
2: willing to give up quite a bit of value. Like I- I'm not just there to say like, oh yeah, like he's old and sucks. I'm like, oh hey, here's here's like a slight overpay. Let's see what you think. Just, be just a little bit, a little bit in total value. you like, no, nah, I can't do that. I'm like, all right, all right, let's pump it up a little bit. Let's see what see how this goes. And then if it doesn't go anywhere from there, I, I-, I back off. I lo- I
1: love that about you, Will. That you are one of those owners that like like. You're not afraid to lose a deal, like like if you just want to get it done, you're you want to do that. And there are some owners that you know that they're like they're not going to let themselves lose a deal. So it's like it's very frustrating to deal with them. But but it, you know you have the attitude. It's like hey, if I've got to quote lose this deal unquote to get it done, then I'll I'll do it. I would love that. And I think that's why you're successful with either your trades. Uh, Jake, go go ahead. What were you what were you think what were you going to say here?
0: Um, I I was just in the position where E T N was falling and he felt he was in it was the 111 and etn is still available like i have i have no idea how that happened it takes it just takes one wide receiver to jump up right and put him down right or someone to take javante williams before him but i had the 201 and i I added the a future second to move up two two picks to get him and etn could have went at 105 and i would have never been able to put that package together to get him
1: yeah that's that's nice that's amazing
2: uh, I, I I really do I really do hate all the people get not not hate I just hate that I can't get the same like value on ETN in the leagues I'm in I I I mean not to say that I haven't gotten like what I feel like our values on ETN but uh I, I want your scenario Jake
0: I feel like in all of, like I'm in ten leagues every year like there's one league that there's this kind of one one crazy value I had acres drop to one eleven in a previous draft last year I unfortunately nice. wasn't drafted but it's still crazy that he ever fell that far.
1: Yeah. Well, Jake, have you named any of your guys that you've uh, like, uh, like been aggressive about, like someone we haven't talked about
0: that you're like, super of- aggressive trying to get into these drafts. And it's because I like, I think I already said it, that I have a bunch of these wide receivers in the same tier after Jamar chase. It's that group of six. Then you have Kadarius Tony, I think by himself, And I think there's another tier, which of the primary day two wide receivers who are left. And I don't really have any, um, like, affictions, or I'm not sure the word of, like, I don't have any favorites of those groups. But some of them, like Anthony Schwartz, Josh Palmer, almost not even all of them, in some drafts, they will fall. And I think these guys are way better than the replacement, like, day two wide receivers aren't, aren't free agent level players in dynasty. Like those guys need to be rostered. And if they're in your third, fourth round, like I would be doing kind of everything to swap out my end of the roster players for these dart throws, because they have at least potential to be wide receiver two threes for your team.
1: Yeah. What, one, one of the the things that I think people should remember too this year, if, if there are guys later that you like, and like draft capital is a bit of a concern. If you were that the guy slip because of medicals, some of these NFL teams were getting medical stuff like the the morning of the draft. Um, you know that's been reported. A lot, a lot of GMs are on record saying that. So I, I think this year teams didn't have nearly the information that they usually have, and it caused some of these guys to slip. And and we may be we may be surprised that some wide receiver taking the sixth round, you know, has fantasy value. Like where did that come from? They're an outlier. Maybe they're an outlier because they had some kind of questionable medical history. So I think that's something to remember too. If there's a guy that you really like, you know, don't, don't be too scared if if you heard that they were, you know, their medical issues in the process. Cause maybe those medical issues got worked out. Teams didn't know it. Thus they passed on that player.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think Eskridge is slipping a bit too. Absolutely. Just as yeah. like a, a total, like off the cuff comment. Sorry.
0: No, well, but it's,
1: it, it's good. I, you know, I, I, I felt the, the, I feel the same way about him.
2: Like, a third like
0: round pick in Dynasty in a second round pick in the NFL.
2: Yeah, it's so odd. I get that he's older, but just, just give it a go.
0: I am I am an ageist, and but Cooper Cup has hit. I'm Calvin Ridley was, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if he was 23 or 24, but older I'm pretty sure Calvin is like 37 at this point in time. Yeah, like obviously you're getting extra years of a player's prime, but that doesn't mean that these guys can't come in and be good right away.
2: Yeah, you have to you have to get that prime. It has to be prime fantasy points yeah. because the player is technically in their age prime, but they're not on the field. It just doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. I, I'm trying to look really quick to see if there's a reason that he, cause he's 24 years old, I think yeah, um, he's, he's yeah. Yeah. So I, I, but, but yeah, you're right. That we, we know that there are outliers that have existed and he's interesting because of, you know, he didn't come with this big power five school, but he really showed out the senior bowl. He was a senior role standout. And he is, and he's talented. Let's see what could happen. I mean, Seattle invested in him for more than just special teams, I think. So that was their
2: first pick in the draft.
0: Yeah. I I have no, yeah. And they only had three picks. I have no idea of his backstory. Like maybe he promised his mom that he was going to get his degree, like something like there's some things that are more important than football to these players, right? Like it is not necessarily a knock on him thinking, oh, I'm not good enough for the league yet. Like, there's other like rash reasons in life that he might choose to stay in college and get like, get an education. Like that shouldn't always be a knock.
2: Yeah. That, so that was one thing with Calvin Ridley really that always bothered me is his, his total life situation. He entered college as a 20 year old. He technically couldn't finish his senior year of high school in football because of his age, but that was completely based on his life growing up that he had no control over. So he had, he had a three year college career and came out as an old prospect but he could not escalate that any faster based on how he grew up. So that was my biggest thing, Ryan. We talked about that, and we've gotten all always played around with, with his age. But his his thing is completely different. I don't. Know if it, I didn't do the deep dive in Dwayne Haskridge, but I only assume it's because he got assigned the penthouse dorm room his freshman year, and he was just like, "Yeah, let's just ride this out. I'll redshirt a couple of years, and you know, we'll hang out and live the life."
0: Na- Najee Harris is someone who has a really interesting backstory, and like he was went from homeless shelter throughout his life things like that and one of the things one of the reasons he stayed for the extra year is because he promised his mom that he was going to get his degree but like, he, sh- he should have talked to
2: vince carter he should have talked to vince carter and he should have gone out a year early vince carter left early and came back and got his degree they could have been friends
0: i'm pretty sure uh Marshawn lynch was one of the guys that like what pushed him to or i think it was his uncle who like said like you are finishing school but one of his major life influences has been Marshawn lynch Oh, I, I love Marshawn Lynch so much. All oh, right, I lived It'll- in
2: Seattle for a couple of years, Jake. You don't know this, but like the local ads
0: that he would do were just so awesome. I, <laughs> it's, just,
2: it's just ridiculous.
0: Ads with football players are pretty fantastic. Um, I'm looking forward to when Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning are doing some for Denver all, all the time. <laughs>
1: um, hey, we, we got to get close to two-minute warning here soon, guys. But before we do that, I wanted to throw out some discussion because cause I think we looked up some free agents that are still out there, particularly running backs that may, you know, muddle up some of these backfields. We're talking about Michael Carter, for example. Is there someone that could go into the New York Jets organization and, and become the RB1? Uh,
2: and there's silence. <laughs> sorry, I was, th- I was thinking about that side. I was thinking more about the the Falcons and Dolphins because I think uh, Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley could end up landing there pretty easily on a, a relatively inexpensive contract. Uh, for the Jets, I actually just think Michael Carter isn't going to have a lion's share of the workload. I'm not worried right. about other people coming there. I'm just worried about the total.
0: Yeah, are any of these free agent running backs threats? Like well, you mentioned Lev Bell, Todd Gurley. Like these guys are pretty washed. I, I do think, think I
2: birthday. think, yeah, I think they're threats though to Mike Davis and Miles Gaskin. They're not threats to any other team.
0: I don't even think they're threats to those guys. I just, I think those guys are much better players at this point.
2: Well, I think the other thing too,
1: could there be a James Robinson situation? Um, I know that was was a pretty strange situation, but could an undirected free agent, you know, come into one of these teams and and, and take over like a guy we're
0: not even talking about right now. Yeah. That's, I feel like that might be more likely.
2: Yeah. So, or Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson can upset any running back room. Just remember that always. I'm just or a quick or Frank Gore. Frank Gore, if he's but he's been at both these teams.
0: <laughs> was if he, he, was- if
2: Frank Gore goes in the Falcons, I'm
0: worried. Well, there could the, another thing too is cut candidates. Like who's gonna get cut from a roster who's gonna f- screw things up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We we will we will know at some point. Homework assignment. All right. Guys, why don't we do the move on to the two-minute warning? Any final thoughts? Any any takeaways? Uh anything we didn't get a chance to mention?
2: Uh the schedule came out tonight. Uh, and I, I don't really
0: I haven't looked at it yet. I'm I not think a big schedule great, fan.
1: Great, great. Well, great insight. Thank you. Well,
0: I just <laughs> want to say I'm not a great <laughs> schedule fan. I'm not a big schedule fan. There's one important takeaway from the schedule. Um, yeah. I came through by weeks and there are week 14 bye weeks. Week 14. Yeah. That's
1: what I was so going
0: to say. You've got to be starting your playoffs week 15, 16, 17. and just don't have that week 18 playoffs. Cause that is the new week 17 playoffs. You just don't want it. And,
2: okay. okay. And if team, you're going, well teams on the bye: Colts, Dolphins, Patriots, Eagles.
1: Right, so if you're relying on Jonathan Taylor that first round of the playoffs, <laughs> good luck because well, only you got the buy. Um, yeah, you know, I think I think commissioners will have to adapt when they see the schedule, and you've got those four teams uh, week 14. I just I don't, I don't know you can do it. It's just it wouldn't be fair.
0: There's definitely there's going to be leagues where the commissioner doesn't adapt, unfortunately, or they'll do status quo from last year. And if you're by chance in that league, you should probably leave it. If not, you should be aware and stay away from those players except if you're talking to redraft league.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, and you'll have a big advantage over those people that aren't paying attention. If you're in a redraft league and week 14 is a playoff week, then you're
0: just going to have a huge it, advantage over people. It will happen though. and you shouldn't be in those leagues if it does.
1: Well, Hey, I will say this, Jake, I'm in some very casual redraft leagues and i seem to get my butt kicked in them every year i'm I'm a i'm good at dynasty but i'm i'm not very good at redraft i I think there's so much luck in redraft um uh, too and a lot of weird things happen but a a couple of those leagues you know they're they're super casual and and and, and, i'm not gonna leave those leagues they're fun those are some of the funnest leagues i'm in but yeah generally speaking
0: yeah give your commissioner a little tip like hey week 14 is a no-go for playoffs
2: I don't yeah. know. It's a, like there's been week. There was a week thirteen playoff in twenty sixteen, and then there was one this this last season. It's, the, well, we it's you're just by. moving that a week four. Is that any different? You you didn't adjust your fans like your fantasy leagues last year when the the Tampa well, Buccaneers had a week thirteen playoff by along with the Carolina Panthers.
0: Well, you started your playoffs in week fourteen
2: last year. Yeah, it started you started in week fifteen this year. It's fifteen sixteen. What's the problem? It we're a week move back.
0: Yeah. So last year. I believe that they had a week thirteen buy, and we started playoffs in week fourteen. And this yeah, year, yeah, for Tampa Bay and Carolina, there's week fourteen buys, and we're starting in week fifteen. So we're yeah. we're, we're missing the buys.
2: Yeah, if, if every league hasn't, if they're if you're doing a week uh, fourteen and fifteen fantasy championship, uh, there, I think it'll automatically adjust to that for what it's worth and move it to the last yeah. two games, take it off the schedule.
0: I agree yeah I, like my the league's that commission I pretty much just have been waiting for this kind of news or a commissioner impossible podcast <laughs> those guys us know, know what's up
1: right so anyway i I think uh I think with that guys any any other late breaking thoughts here
0: support the fantasy Joe's on patreon
1: thank you jake patreon.com slash fantasy Joe's um also the uh, NFC North plays the AFC North and this is not a good year for that I looked at the Bears schedule and I I, I fear that they're going to go 6 and 11 because it's, it's a pretty brutal schedule but anyway we are the Fantasy Joes you can find us on Twitter at Epic Joes you can find Will on Twitter at Fantasy Joe underscore Will Jake is at Takes with Jake I'm at Roto Librarian so on behalf of Jake and Will I'm Ryan and we are the Fantasy
2: Joes Oh, Jake, it's, I'm so happy you came on board. This is great so far. I
0: appreciate it. I it. Really really I feel like I, I got a
2: little loud tonight, but it, it's all— like, to me, it's all in fun. So, I hope you feel the same.
0: I got loud? Is that
2: what you said? Yeah. Like, I yelled about week 14 buys. I don't know why oh. I got like, so, so like, oh, that's cool. just yelling in here. But, you know, maybe my beautiful voice, it doesn't sound like yelling. that. happens. I'm really like like yelling. Yelling. It's, it's going to help. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you don't own Amir Smith-Marset in all your leagues, you're doing I can I'm in leagues with you. I know. That's what I'm saying. Everybody else is doing it wrong. <laughs>